we're back reviewing round 13 and 14 for the Cats here. Previewing upcoming round 16 this Sunday against Essendon as well. With me again, Zach and Ola. Guys, how did we go on the, the first take of this recording? First scrimmage game of this recording, if you like. I'd, my performance is well below par. How would you rate it in his coach terms or Zach? <laughs> Um, uh, no, not at all. It was absolutely fine. Um, no, no, good to be here as always. Yeah, really, uh, really good win over the Dogs last week, and hopefully we can uh, back it up against the inconsistent Bombers this week. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, you know, the, the good times keep rolling, I guess, for the Cats at the moment. Adelaide relatively comfortable win in the end, and um, the Bulldogs yeah, phenomenal come from behind. Victory, which I wasn't expecting. Various points early in the game or midway through the game, I was, you know, the anger sharks were swimming. Did the remote get chucked at the telly? <laughs> um, oh, look, I was, I was getting a bit frustrated, but uh, look, they turned it around. We'll go into the detail of it, but uh, overall, they won every quarter, did they not? From um, from the first onwards. Yeah. We'll start back, I guess, at reviewing the, the Adelaide game. So we, we saw this, I guess, as we, we're going to do two games in one for this podcast. Some tech uh, issues, which I'll put my hand up on my side there, <laughs> has kind of <laughs> delayed us. Uh, but we got there in the end. It's COVID 2020, I guess. So these things happen. Round 13 against Adelaide. We made some changes. We brought in Jack Stephen, the previous to that game, that managed, come in, managed, come in. Jordan Clark came back from injury. Brad Close came back. And along with Luke Dowhouse, who's been out the while and brought back in Sav. Selwood came out with the injury. Tui came out. Also with some soreness. Sam Simpson... Having suffered that pulled hammy came out. Harry Taylor was managed. And your boy, Zach Lockie Fogarty, was admitted. So a lot of changes there. Five changes yeah. when you were speculating probably at least three at, at, at least. Mm. Nervous at times, guys, for that game when it came down to it. And the first quarter especially, I, did we not really quite see maybe what influence the Adelaide crowd would have along with the fact that it's been over 10 games now and Adelaide hadn't won a game and it was Tex Walker's 200th game and that will from the young kids along with Crouch Brothers would be, would be there. Um, the star players, did, this was a, a hard, hard fought win. You look on the scoreboard and it's a 28-point margin. But you look at that Dangerfield interview afterwards and he... Really, he was struggling to put a sentence together just because he was breathing so much. Your thoughts there, Zach? Yeah, no, look, the Adelaide crowd definitely came into it. I've been to the old Amy Stadium for an Adelaide home game. They're pretty provocial, to put it nicely. So, no doubt it came into play. But to be honest, I think the margin flattered us, actually. I mean, we kicked away in the last couple of minutes, but I thought Adelaide were great. And I'm glad they got their first win last week. I think they deserved it. They've been playing well over the last couple of weeks. And the fact that they got it over Hawthorne, that's just the cherry on top. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to mention... I, I, was, I wasn't wondering or was, I was wondering which one of us was going to mention the fact that it's Hawthorne. And you beat me to it, so... 
Nice one. We escaped the <laughs> we escaped the the Adelaide's win of the season. So yeah, we um, we knew we were going to get it at some stage. So yeah, extra cherry on the top, but it's Hawthorne. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, yeah. I just didn't want to be the first team to lose to uh, to Adelaide being the bottom team at, at at that point in time. Um, they certainly didn't play like. You know, the bottom team or what you would expect the bottom team to play like. They definitely brought some uh, brought some good energy, and it, it had me a bit uh, bit nervy at times throughout the throughout the game. I think I may have even uh, gone the early crow and thought, "Oh, here we go. They might get over the top of us in the last quarter here." But uh, no, we we managed to steady the ship and and pull away a bit. You know, the cream rose to the top in the end. I guess it was the standard sort of performances from from Guthrie and Angerfield of recent games, and also um, Hawkins. Not to mention Duncan as well, having that impact late. Cam Guthrie is amazing. Thirty-three disposals. Uh, Duncan never reliable over twenty, but he chipped in with a couple of goals there. So even though he's getting twenty-two, which is probably maybe down from Mitch Duncan's usual standards. Yeah, to chip in with two goals along with 16 pressure acts. He was really, really good, solid in the day, along with Manningola as well, 24 touches. Paddy with the 27, albeit probably not the greatest efficiency, working hard at the contest and being bullied at the contest by um, the young Adelaide Crows in the centre. So a hard day at the office for Paddy. I don't think he was one of his, his star games. It wasn't, wasn't a bad game by any means, but it certainly um, wasn't one where he just took the competition out of the out of the centre at times. Yeah. Um, Reece Stanley was really good up against Riley O'Brien, getting around to be able to kick two goals. So even when the hit-outs count or the, the disposal possessions count, we look at it, all right, Reece with seven disposals, those two goals, that, that's key, especially when you, we need goals from... When Hawkins has been isolated, we we will be now isolated going fourth in games when he's probably ticked off now as the Cohen medal leader. Um, teams that will identify that and we need goals from other areas, whether it be Stanley in the ruck, whether it be Sava, whether it be Jenkins, whether it be Rowan, whether it be the standard other big players we got. Yeah. But I guess in terms of the, the game itself, Really, really, really different games for me. The Wilson Bulldogs game to the Adelaide game, Zach. It was just the intensity that Adelaide played was something that I wasn't expecting at all from those kids. Yeah, no, it was, I would I would definitely agree. Look, you always knew Adelaide would give a spirited effort. I guess they're playing at home. They got the crowd there. But, yeah, they certainly exceeded my expectations. The Bulldogs, I mean... They've been in good form and their their midfield's very strong. You've got McRae and Dunkley and people like that running around. So you knew that they were going to give a good account of themselves, but not not quite a finals-like intensity, but it wasn't far from it. So for us, give away that slow start, not ideal. We can't afford to do that against certain other teams. But the fact that we were able to grind away gradually and get the win, I think, was was still encouraging as well. Yeah, same sort of scenario in both games. Really, um, aside from the clearing errors, I guess, at the start of the Bulldogs game, very similar sort of results or similar sorts of performances. 
once we got going, you know, once the wheels were turning, um, the other team couldn't really keep up with us. Mm, wouldn't want to give away a start like that when we played Richmond in a couple of weeks. Oh, no, no. It's, it's certainly something that we need to be mindful of. Um, but for all the, well, I guess, moments of, of that uh, early stages of the Bulldogs game and, and kind of sparingly throughout the Adelaide game, uh, we managed to get the results. Yeah, and, 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 and look, let's, let's, let's take nothing away. I mean, they've played a game in Adelaide. They've gone back to the Gold Coast, whereas the Bulldogs stayed in Queensland, I think. That's still yeah. a, a decent hike. I think it was a five- or six-day break as well. So can't blame them for being a little bit fatigued, particularly the guys Yeah, the schedule's played. been a bit all over the, all over the joint at the moment. No, uh, we get a shock and run as always, but, you know. But that's, that's the way it is with 2020, especially. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just interested to hear why I think it's similar performances, I guess, in, in both games. I know it, like the simplified version being a come-from-behind win or a, a kick-out in the final quarter and a push away. But the actual performances, I think, were really, really different. The two, the two games, first of all, structurally-wise, I mean, for, for one... The Adelaide game, we had a Sava playing at centre-half forward. The Western Bulldogs game, we made that shift and we didn't. I think that was a major mm. thing where we saw Blitzarves in the ruck and my big frustration with the Bulldogs game was the amount of goals that we conceded, which were pretty much one-on-one marks in yeah. our own defence. Norton half. was tearing us to shreds, which was annoying. Yeah, yeah which, he, which I don't think... Um, would usually happen if Blitzarves was um, shed of ruck duties. So there's that there's that argument there regarding structure. When you introduce five players to the Adelaide, Adelaide game and then um, in round 14 against Western Bulldogs, you take away the crowd, you take away that level of atmosphere, albeit a real intense game and after quarter time from the Cats to, to push through and chip, chip, chip away. But when you only make two changes taking out Jordan Clark um, and Sav, not through injuries, and bringing in Harry Taylor and Zach Tui, who Harry Taylor's been managed, and even Zach we saw through the Bulldogs game, his um his his ferocity, his he, um his will <laughs> to the ball, um blood but yeah, blood, sweat and Tui that he could have even potentially for all we know played against Adelaide. So yeah. that, that was down, it was called an injury, but even then you'd think, well, well maybe really we could have played against Adelaide if, we, if it was a round 18 situation we needed to get into the top eight type deal. So I, I, can, I see it as two completely different performances. I, I see it as one, the Adelaide game, the intensity was off the rockets, completely different. Gary Rowan, mm-hmm. if people talk about these hot, cold performances, that was the, the, the classic identifier of it, where he was just non-existent against Adelaide. And then next week, uh, everyone loves him. And it seems to be this theme of one week, everyone loves... Uh, one week, uh, Cats fans jump on the bad wangle where they love Chucky, they're his favourite player. And the next game, uh, yeah, he, he turns up every one and two or three games. But, yeah, I think the Bulldogs 
did show that this is probably our that lineup there potentially aside from a a centre half Jenkins or Sav maybe seeing who the competition is that was probably our a really our best strength lineup with without Selwood and, and and Gaz I think going forth coming into looking into finals and looking at a a better look opposition at the centre right there aside being against Matt Crouch and and, and some of the other players from from Adelaide, but I, th- I think just structurally it was a hugely different game. But Zach, the, the comparisons there from one to another without going yet into the real. Yeah, yeah, no, I would tend. Mm, no, I would tend to agree. Look, Sav, um, I think Sav really affects the way we we play as a team. Like he is predominantly centre half forward at the moment, chips in with the ruck, but a little bit hard. But just in my opinion, I don't know. Like when. We've seen the best and worst of him when our players, but at times he can really seem like a barometer. He is a target. He's a he's a tall marking forward. I don't know. I was speaking with um, my old man about this when he was watching the game at home. He just I don't know. There's just something different when he doesn't play. I don't know. We just feel like we're we're missing something without him. I don't know if that's making any sense, but but he's feeling like I feel like he's becoming a bit, bit of a barometer for us. Like even if he has an average game, we still feel like. You're a better chance of winning if he's there. So is he? Is he straighten you up? Is he straighten the team up for um? You know that head out kick down the line, for instance. I, yeah, I think he can. But look, at the end of the day, you know you're going to get a contest out of him. You know he's going to make a backman accountable because he's a big, solid, tall target. So I mean, for now, if that's all he needs to do, well then that's okay. I'm I'm expecting Jenkins to get a run. We play Sydney last round. That could be a, an example where. If our ladder position, you know, can remain the same, they may rest Sav or even Hawkins and he might get a run. He's a seasoned player. Wouldn't surprise me if he came in and had a run as well. But, um, you know, two is an important part of the, the team as well. Probably not as much of a barometer player as what Sav is, but you certainly know what you're going to get from him when he plays every week. And, yeah, who knows how bad that, that, um, that injury could have been. The, uh, the possible broken ribs or bruised ribs or whatever it is, whatever it was. How much of a solid competitor and how tough who he actually is. Um, to have taken those, to have taken those hits and still be, you know, going hell for leather as much as possible at the contest, getting knocked down, getting back up again, coming off the ground, going back out two or three times throwing the mouth guard in disgust, the fact that he had to be dragged off the field, basically, didn't like mm-hmm. that. Um, that shows the competitive energy. That's what we um, want to see. Doesn't, and, um, doesn't you know, always... There's a on. spiritual element there for um, an on-field leader for the team. He doesn't always get noticed, though, does he? Reminds me of Joel Corey a little bit. He used to get banged around all the time and his emotions would spill over. So, in a way, I reckon he's sort of similar. He's an on-field leader, someone that they say or insiders say is very highly respected, but probably is in the shadow of, I guess, Dangerfield and Selwood, Ablett, people like that a little bit, isn't he? Yeah, he loves the loves the media just as much as the others. Yeah. At least... Uh, at least you know, in the four walls of the club, at least, but um, like, yeah, doesn't both. quite get the accolades of others. Yeah, and it's been an interesting season for Tui, I guess, pushing up now in more recent weeks to the forward line. 
when they've been comfortable playing. You can't move Mark O'Connor. He's for me. He's our our best defender. Actually, uh, full stop. Um, I'm not talking even Mark Blitzarves here or Tom Stewart. I, I think best defender purely for the fact that he can play on bigs and smalls. Um, his ability and he's to done he's done the job on on all of them at the moment. He's our best. I think the the reason that partly why I say that is because of his potential and his age and what he's got. That burst of acceleration. His kick is fantastic. Uh, he's just got every single IQ box set down mm-hmm. down at half back. So he's been phenomenal. He was our most improved player in 2019. You, you can't move him from that defensive position there. Having played Hendo the last couple of weeks and he hasn't been moved too much, the only really one you could see for Tui to be able to move back would be if you take maybe Jack Henry out. No, even Jed Buse has played more of an attacking role this season. So it's been strange. It is interesting one forecasting going forward, noting his age as well. Um, we previously touched on in the last couple of podcasts that, um, that he's reached the milestone number. I think it was the, the, the second most AFL, VFL games played ever by an Irishman overtaking Ty Canelli. Um, yeah, you raised there before Zach Jenkins as well. And Sav, so going back to, to that, Sav then, all right, we enter round 14 against the Bulldogs. Sav's admitted and Tui Taylor come in for Sav and Jordan Clark. Doesn't look too bad. I guess match for match, you make these switches. So if it's West Coast, obviously, I think you'd want to be playing Sav or Jenkins at half forward to have that ruck, extra ruck competitor against... Nick Nat and so forth, no. or even um, even uh, Port Adelaide. Just the amount of rucks they've got with Laddams and Lysette and uh, Dixon, uh, Westoff if he plays. So you play against, you play to the team that you're playing against. Yep. But having said that, that first quarter there, how, how did you see Zach? That where do you sit on the Asava fence? I guess I'm more of the opinion. Judge it who we play and upcoming noting the the incomings inclusions and the recent inclusions for Essendon uh, that have been Kale Hooker, Michael Hurley, um, Joe Danaher. There's three big men there, whether you want to swing Kale up forward or he plays back. Jordan Ridley has been phenomenal all year. Um, They've got a good solid rough combination there. So I'm the opinion that we do play Savor Jenkins this week. There's another option that, assuming Stanley isn't fit with his groin soreness, that you actually include both of them. Yeah, look, uh, look for Sav personally, I mean, you always have to look at who you're playing and structure up as well, and you play them on their merits. I mean, if he's having a rough patch and there's someone else that warrants a game, well, I think that's fair enough. But Sav's the sort of player I think you try and keep that continuity and consistency with him. I think each time you get omitted 
Um, I mean, I'm sure party confidence would go down, but you really, you see a lot of players like him who do go in and out. They take another game really to settle down. So I'd say just for that continuity and his own confidence, he is a confidence player. I'd be playing him as often as I can when it warrants it, as long as the structure is okay. I wouldn't want to be playing Jenkins against Essendon. Their worst is very average, but their best is excellent. Um, they're probably my biggest underperformer this year. If you look at their team on paper, they should be a lot higher than, than where they are now. struggled so. with injuries, struggled with Dyson Heppel being out for, I think, most of the season until coming back just the previous round, uh, which we had the buy-in. Michael Hurley has been out. Joe Danaher has been out the whole season and, and now comes in now just as they play Geelong. So it's yeah, that's been nice. a tough one. Always, always the way with injured, injured players coming back against Geelong. That's just the way it goes. But Danaher will be sitting on the fence like he was last week. Um, no, I'd be playing Sav. I reckon he can, he can give Hurley or Hooker. I reckon he can give them a good run for their money. He's got a good... Got a good leap body-wise. He's pretty close. I'll be playing him, I think. Second efforts are always, always, uh, also always good, I'd say. Well, that's something that I always notice. You know, he's uh, very, very cat-like, much like Dangerfield in those second efforts, you know, diving around and trying to chase after the, uh, after any defender. As soon as the ball hits the ground, he's, you know, trying to make that tackle which is all we I think, want. And I reckon were, were he to play in the ruck, I think we could get a real um, advantage there because Tom Bell Chambers is a good ruckman, be certainly getting on a bit, not the most mobile ruckman, whereas Sab is quite mobile, can run, even if Blixard's got thrown in for a couple of minutes. He'd be telling them, look, see if he can break even, maybe beat Bell Chambers, but then just running off his feet, you should be could have the legs on him. So that's somewhere I think we could really get an advantage there if we play our cards right. I, I tend to agree there. You know, just the younger, more mobile, more agile Ruckman against a seasoned campaigner who, but uh, who's, you know, slower and a bigger body. Yeah. You've got to try and play to your strengths somewhere. Yeah, it, it's, it just amazes me, I guess, during a 2020 COVID-19 year, a season that's been brought down in the number of games played, AFL hubs introduced in different states. Just a, a crazy season of sport, let alone a, a crazy year. And within that, I, I'm not sure. Sav's 23 or 22? But we were, we were talking about last season in 2019, how it is an amazing talent that the Cats have on their hands. And for me, nothing's changed. He's an amazing talent that Cats have in their fans. Mm. But suddenly it, it seems like either week there'll be a whipping boy that'll either be Gary Rowan, won't have produced, and then mm. or Sav hasn't produced for the Cats fans. And it'll either be one or the other. And it's it's getting to the point where it's just a bit it, it's a bit yeah, it's a bit boring to hear, I guess. Uh, you play to the opposition and you play to the specific defences. You play to those and you use, yeah, you use your, your pawns and your fortress against that. Yep. And that's why we yep. saw Luke Dowhouse being played and Tui being played up forward and the specific 
yeah, structural movements we've seen this season, even Jed Buse playing more pushing forward at times, not playing in the forward. But, yeah, that nature. And I, I just think in a strange season with 18 rounds, with a good opportunity to clinch top four if we win the next three games, um, which is a really tough feat, actually don't know the result of the Richmond game. As we speak now, I saw that Ferrer fought back late on. But it, it, it's just getting a bit... Yeah, as you said, old Tyson, for me, at, 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 at the same time, objectively, we like to... We try to view things. Um, yep. For me, when it comes down to it, when Sav does plays, what you get, what you're going to get from him is that he'll give you something at the contest. He'll give you something, whether you need a ball just an out ball down the line and a stoppage, he'll provide that. Yep. So yep. for all the the missed uh, potential marks that fans might like, he's going to produce so much more that's not seen on stat sheets. And same with Gary mm. Rowan too, when he plays, when he yeah. doesn't actually get the disposals, he's, he's, we, we've talked about that, that stat sheets really mean nothing to Gary Rowan. I think it's a similar to Sav as well. So, whether they both play, whether one of them plays this week, I think you can't drop Garon. We know Garon will be playing, assuming he's fit up against Essen. But whether Sav plays or not, uh, I just think, look, back in Garon, back in Sav, back in Jenkins if he makes his debut this week and, and, and we'll see what we get. It, it, it's his first yep. game, so we're not sure, I guess. Yeah. But I... Yeah, that's that's my thoughts, I guess, regarding upcoming against Essendon, and that's a, a a tough competition right there because that's a team that's still in the mix for top eight, and they need to win their last couple of games, albeit probably all of them, to get top eight. Yeah. So they will come yeah. out all bits firing. You'd, you'd expect, especially with Hebel mm-hmm. back, especially with Hurley back, especially with how some of their players, such as Parrish, have been performing of late. And yeah, Danaher as well provides a, a another threat, whether it be for Hendo or whether it be for uh, Taylor or Blitz. If Blitz does get the the straight fullback job and not the the ruck job on the night, but enough about upcoming Essendon. I think we've talked about that, and as we've said, I think this season we can speculate regarding the amount of ins and outs. It's that strange season. I think Brad Close probably. Uh, a good one that has locked in his name and made it unfortunate for other players to to get a look in, such as Francis Evans this season, who has by all means done really, really well in scrimmage games and in training and and pushed himself there. Cockatoo's long-term future with the Cats is a bit uncertain now that he's going to leave the hub, so he won't obviously get any games in the home and away season. We'll just see what happens at the end of the year, being out of contract. So, having talked about that, having already previewed the the upcoming game this Sunday against Essendon, already looked at a couple of the key ins, already yeah looked at some of the the key matchups there. Let's get on to the good stuff. All right, we came back from thirty seven points against Western Bulldogs. All right, hit me with it. Oh, thirty. Six thirty-nine, sorry, to three at quarter time. Yeah, yeah. your Look, thought process. Um, I was ready to. Yeah, I, I was. 
livid. I was fuming. I was, yeah, just, I, I, I think I said, you know, I'm hoping that uh, Chris Scott gives him a, a good talking to, or I might have said some, a few other few other words, but um, yeah, just gives him a good talking to and um, tells him to pull themselves into line. And as far as we could tell, uh, there was an interview, on-ground interview with Mitch Duncan. Mitch Duncan was very clear in what the team needed to do to get back into the game. And he said, yeah, we know what we need to do. We just didn't do it. For whatever reason that is, who knows? Um, But we know what we need to do. And... We're going to try and rectify that in this quarter. And that's what they did. And commentators said, you know, you don't have to pull, pull the margin back all at once. You can chip away. And that's the approach they took, just chipping away at it. Eventually, you know, we got on top of them, especially in the last quarter with a bit of uh, Harry Rowan explosive magic. I was very excited with some of his efforts and some of his uh, off-the-ball work as well is just phenomenal. The, the tackle on Tim English was immense. Run down the wing or the sprint down the wing against a, a former cat in... Uh, Plug Gardner. Gardner. Yeah. Yep, yep, Plug Gardner was, um, was, uh, was brilliant and I was... You know, willing him to keep going, keep going, keep going. But he is an anaerobic athlete, so probably doesn't have the, the tank of uh, some others, but has the explosiveness to sprint away. And just uh, got that kick inside forward 50 and gained, you know, gained the 100 metres or so that we needed. Um, and then there was a couple of other really clutch efforts Things like Dangerfield spoil late in the game. And, of course, uh, Brad closes tackle right at the end as well. Um, absolutely phenomenal forward pressure, which is what we want from a first-year player, from anyone, really, but especially from a small forward. And he definitely brought that energy. Similar to Essendon, Zach, the Bulldogs in that same kind of sphere where you're vying for that top eight position Luke Beveridge the the game previously came out with a, a boxing analogy pre-game to his players to to pump them up Lockie Hunter Bontempelli Jack McRae Johannesson turned it on Crozier they really came out firing from our point of view yep Dangerfield over 30 disposals on the night Tom Stewart ever reliable Cam Guthrie my man for the Kaji Really reliable as well. 23 pressure acts for Cam. Incredible. Duncan, usual Duncan self, quite reliable. Hawkins, on an isolated night without the help of Sav. And, yeah, at, at times very difficult. Still managed to chip in with two goals and some pressure acts and some goal assists right there and, and chipped in with 14 disposals in the end. Reece Stanley was another big one. But players that stood up in that after first quarter time, it was all around the board, really. Um, 
can't really name one, one player. It, phenomenal. And I don't want to put it down to kind of the fact where you can look and say, oh, okay, well, Easton Wood got injured and Vandermeer was injured for them as well. So that helped them. But when you're down by 37 points at quarter time with 16 minute stoppages, that's a huge, huge thumb to overcome, let alone beat them by 11 points, 72 to 61 to the Cats and keep the Cats in top four. Your moments there, just your thought processes at, at quarter time, at the start of the game, your whole, so, give me it all. We, we, we all have different processes. You know, Wall's the sort of guy who vents his anger and that used, and, and that used to be me as well. I sort of turned to the, to the grog now, so I'm having a beer at the start, and I'm seeing this. <laughs> Hang on, this isn't strong enough. I better get onto the the Bundy Rum or something a little bit stronger if this is what we're going to do. So, fought back <laughs> gradually, gradually. I thought oh, I better sober up. It's actually getting close. There we go. Um, it's getting proud. Oh, it was a good game, and I'll tell you what: if they were going to give out a, an award at the end of the year for the best kick, like just the most accurate kick in the game, it'd be the Sam Menegola. I've never seen him miss a shot on goal, miss a target. Like, it's just such a simple kicking style, but it's so effective. He just never misses. You you back the house on him from anywhere. Mitch Duncan, like, for me, he's a superstar. He doesn't really get recognised as one, but just such a smart footballer, just knows what to do, you know, when to, when to run at the contest, when to leave your man, when to hold back. Like, he just has such a, such a smart football IQ. Reminds me a little bit of Corey Enright, just in terms of, his IQ when he's out on the field, he's, he's brilliant. I think he'll be quite underrated for a lot of his career. I don't think we'll truly appreciate him maybe until he's retired. But Gary Rowan was just un, unbelievable. Just and, and look, I'm willing to put my hand up and say I've been one of those people that have said, look, he's too hot and cold. But I'm more than willing to accept he will have a couple of quiet weeks. But when he's on, like he was against the Bulldogs, he is unbelievable. And, he, and that's the sort of X factor you need to win a premiership. And he hopefully will be exactly that for us this year. Yep. Yeah. He's the he's the he's the ten touch. You know, pure X factor, pure explosiveness. He does things that other players just just don't or can't because they don't have his natural ability. Yeah, and, and, um, and let's not, and, and, and lastly, I mean, let's not mention the doggies had injuries, but so did we. And Joel Selwood wasn't playing, uh, Gary Ablett wasn't playing, of course, probably our, our best superstar, Sam Simpson, wasn't playing. So there's three massive outs. <laughs> <laughs> so, come on. Old favourite, nice old favourite. Old would have been but sitting it, on the couch, right? Sam Simpson isn't playing. This is a big L right here. We just need <laughs> <sighs> three games to go and three crucial games to go. What was the result of the Richmond game, by the way, if, if any of you guys know? Uh, Tigers, got at, at up un- Tigers got up, unfortunately, 56 to 29. I'll go for the yeah. Cats because considering that you've got West Coast, you've got St. Kilda, you've got some teams at fifth and sixth just sitting on your feet there. Um, and percentage-wise, we're in good sorts. Up against Essendon, which is, yeah, uh, a Western Bulldogs-type outfit. They are vying for top eight. We need to win this game. It'll be a tough one against Tigers. We'll talk then afterwards. But until then, I guess, go Cats. Let's back this in. Go Cats. Go Cats. Go cats. <laughs>